Welcome to Mom Fashions, an honest discussion about the beauty and burden of motherhood. I'm Emily. And I'm Beth. And we hope these next few minutes encourage, inspire, and remind you that we are all in this together. This is Mom Fashions, a Fort Worth Moms production. Episode 43, Breast versus Bottle. Hello, Mom Fashions listeners. This is Emily, and I am visiting with my friend and co-host, Beth. How are you today, Beth? Pretty good. Had lots of coffee, so oh, feeling boy. great. Yay! <laughs> good, good. Well, we definitely are in for a lively discussion. So this topic, breastfeeding versus bottle feeding, Dun, dun, dun. That's what I want to say every time when I say it. I want to put that little <laughs> ominous sound at the end. Have you seen the crudes? I haven't yet. Okay, there's this little sloth in it, and it always goes, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> exactly. We, we need the sloth here to intro this yeah. topic. Okay, so the whole notion of breastfeeding and bottle feeding, it's been on our editorial calendar for a while, and... We knew that we wanted to make this one kind of a compilation piece. We brought up the topic with friends, and we had some people contribute. We had guests for another episode that were here, and we started talking about it. And our discussion was so good, we've actually decided to include it. It's going to be melded into this episode as well. But wow, we found that women were very eager and interested to talk about how we feed our kids as infants, like before they get on a good old solid food, like what do you do? So let's just start out with our stories. Like Beth, what is your baby feeding story? As you all know, I have three kids and we decided before my first one was born that um, we were going to breastfeed. And honestly, it was very much an economic decision. <laughs> Just based on, you know, I I had done a little bit of research, felt like, okay, this is the path that I want to go, but didn't really understand like, you know, or have strong opinions about health benefits, whatever. But it was more looking at the cost of formula and just being like, well, this is free. So we're going to try this first. And then the other was just the convenience you know, it was always there. It was always ready. I didn't have to heat anything or shake anything or whatever. It was <laughs> no just there. Scoop, no scooping. No scooping. So, yeah, it was it was very much an economic decision from the get-go. Um, and I was blessed to be able to just solely breastfeed all three of my girls. And each one of them, oddly enough, weaned themselves at 13 months. Did you pump? Like, did you did you have, like, your husband or your family, was there any kind of, like, feeding support in terms of would they take bottles with breast milk in it or? Yeah, so my girls would take bottles. Pumping for me, which this is probably not surprising, I didn't plan ahead enough, honestly, to pump. No. I know. You? Can you believe it? Amazing. No schedule here. Yeah, I never really planned ahead enough. And because I was home full time, I pumped when we wanted to go on a date or when I needed to have some time to myself. And they would take bottles and it really wasn't um, wasn't an issue. I would say, like, as far as all of that went, um, it was fairly simple. But I would, 
if I were to go back and do it again, and please, Lord, I hope that I will not be doing it again, <laughs> but if I were to go back and do it again, I would make it a point to pump regularly simply for the fact that I would get to sleep more and my uh, husband could right. take some feedings. Yeah. And that was something that I regret a little bit mm-hmm. is not kind of planning for more feeding support. More feeding support. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think giving him the opportunity to have that time with mm-hmm. with them as infants. You know, he might not look at it that that way. He would lose sleep, but I think in the long run it would have been beneficial all the way around. Even possibly some for your, you know, your postpartum health, you know, mm-hmm. being able to have more sleep. Yes. could have helped, you know, yeah, in, in your I own agree. personal just stamina. Yeah. Well, and there is something that is very wearing when you are the sole provider for a child to live. Okay, so tell me about your experience <laughs> with your adopted babies. Yes. So I never went about being pregnant and didn't have any natural lactation happening So for us, that choice seemed kind of made for us. Both of my girls neither latched or were fed by breast by their birth mother, so they took, you know, bottles from the get-go. I know that there are some health benefits for breastfeeding, and I am totally pro-breastfeeding, but I'm also really pro-bottle feeding. You know, fed is actually best. Mm-hmm. And um, it is not like a 100% guarantee that your kids will not get as sick if they are breastfed or, you know, not. We did bottle feeding and, you know, some things that can be kind of tricky for that. Like both of our girls preferred different nipples. We had different bottle sets The second time around, we bought one of every type of bottle that was offered at the store because you kind of had to figure out, like some kids have no preferences, but both of our kids did have a preference and they were different. And there's a lot of scooping, a lot of shaking. Um, Our older one was able to take just like your basic run-of-the-mill formula, but our younger one had digestive issues and we had to buy... $40 a can formula that we bought once a week. So anytime they would offer like samples of that at the doctor's office, I'm like, just fill this bag with them, please. (laughs) Because this is like really expensive. You know, one of the positives of bottle feeding is that there is more feeding support. You know, it just, it's just is. If you have obviously family support in the home with you, really. I would do like a late night feeding, so like a 10 to 12 o'clock sometimes feeding. And then um, I would get up, like if like with Louisa, ate every hour and a half for, or every two hours for quite some time, like four months almost because she was so small and it took her forever to eat a lot. And then I would do like a 2 or 3 a.m. feeding. But then my husband, who typically gets up at 4.35 anyways, he would stay and go into work later, but he would stay to get that really like early morning feeding and then put the baby back to bed. And so I could sleep from maybe three o'clock until seven or eight. But as you might imagine, both of my kids were on a feeding schedule (laughs) and I had it down to like a science. (laughs) I mean, it was like a science. I had those kids trained. Maybe one of the benefits, maybe one of the cons of breastfeeding is that you know, they would wake up 
for their feeding kind of on their own. And I would just pull them into the bed with me or we would sit in the rocker when they were really little and, you know, and, and that was it. But I feel like if you're going to bottle feed, you have to have a schedule because you have to kind of like know ahead of time and be ready so that you can go make the bottle, at least for me, because it always that. freaked me. And this is, this is totally part of my postpartum depression, but it would freak me out when my kids would just scream. And so I would just get like panicked. Mm-hmm. And um, it was always so nice to just kind of be able to just pop them on and go. I can't yeah. imagine like well, in I mean, that state yeah, making this, a bottle. Like, even when I just said my kids were on a schedule and I had them trained, I know that there are women out there like melting in their cars. Think, you know, like oh, yeah. the, just like how about the whole debate? You fed on demand. Mm-hmm. I did not feed on demand. Mm-hmm. I mean, with a cat, I kind of did. But like I never. But you wouldn't. I mean, you wouldn't like not give them food if they were hungry. I would You know, not. but you yeah. had no, a more I structured. Have, I have family members. And I really want to say. Fed is best. I think it's interesting that we have so many different approaches to it. And I have always advised new mothers, now that I'm long in the tooth with kids, (laughs) that when it comes to sleeping and feeding and discipline at the beginning and potty training and all those things at first, it really depends on the personality of the mom Mm -hmm. and what's going to be best for her Mm -hmm. because they all end up pretty much at the same point at the end. Like it's like, yes, there are very significant things happening in those first three years, but whether you're feeding on demand or you have a schedule, it's not really impacting it as significantly as you think it is holding them and singing to them and rocking them and kissing them. Those are the things that are really important. And we're, we're all doing that. Yes. All of those other things are definitely about the mom, her personality, and her sanity. Yeah, and how you yeah. survive it, how you can get through it. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Because I mean, it's hard. There's not a single person in this world who has walked into a room full of people and said, "Oh, they were definitely bottle fed. No. Oh, they were definitely breastfed." Like, or like the kindergarten <laughs> teacher, like, "Okay, the breastfed group over here, right? bottle fed group <laughs> over here." Like that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just not a thing. Yeah, I mean. My kind of whole philosophy was, like, we had really intentional bonding strategies for the first few weeks, you know, because they I had not carried them in utero. So we did different bonding things. And I would say, like, roughly when they got about four or five weeks old, and I didn't pre-make, pre-make bottles, just mm-hmm. so you know. We would at nighttime sometimes and put them in, like, a little lunch pail. I'm not even kidding, with ice packs, so I wouldn't have to scoop in the night. But that Mm -hmm. was the only time. I don't know why I didn't pre-make bottles, but I didn't. Anyways, side note. I didn't know there was, like, a debate on whether you should or not. I don't know if there is. I just didn't. Unless we were – well, even if we went somewhere, I wouldn't make it. Yeah. Maybe if you make it ahead of time, you have to refrigerate it. I don't know. It's been so long ago. (laughs) But anyways, around four or five weeks, I would try to start paying attention to like what their natural cues were because they'll Mm -hmm. set themselves up 
into kind of a pattern. And then I thought about like what I wanted, where I wanted us to get to. And I just made a plan for that. Yeah. And so, and we got to my plan at eight weeks with my oldest. We got to my plan at five months with my youngest, you know, so I wasn't forcing them to like what my preference would be that they ate every three to four hours, you know, and there will be seasons where they start waking up again at night and they need a feeding. I didn't ever like not feed my kid, you know? Oh yeah. Here's my theory. I think that it's such a strong topic because moms want so badly to do well by their children. Yes. We want to do what is best. And so we are we are constantly looking around us, comparing, trying to decide, okay, am I doing it the very best that I can do? Mm-hmm. And there's maybe a little bit of pride in whatever you choose to stand on, yep. right? But in this particular issue, you know, I think it's important to be able to look far down the road. And like we were saying, you are choosing what is best for your family and for you as a mom early on in their lives. You know, it's Mm kind of like their first birthday party. They're not going to remember that. That is for you. You know, celebrate that you kept a kid alive for a year. (laughs) You know, celebrate for yourself. Have a glass of wine, whatever. But, But look, have this long view of what is going to be best for my child in the long run Mm -hmm. and what is best for me and my family in the short term Mm -hmm. and go like go with that you know because absolutely like we said fed is best um and and I come you know like I said I solely breastfed all three of my kids for a year each and I'm like, I'm all about breastfeeding. I think it's incredible. I think it's this Mm -hmm. miraculous thing that our bodies can do. And I would have loved to be a lactation consultant in another life. Like, I think it's just a cool thing. But I would never, ever, ever tell a mom who felt the need or the desire to bottle feed alone that that was not going to be good for her child. Because if if she wants to do that and that is what she feels is best, then that is what is best for her kid. Going off of what you just said, you used the word need, and that there are lots of women in circumstances where the choice is kind of made for them, right? You know, like your work environment, you know, you might not be able to pump. Sometimes that choice is made for you because of the shape of your body, the function of your body, or issues with your child's latch, the mouth, or maybe they have other medical needs and they need to be supported, you know, through even two feet. I mean, like there's Mm -hmm. different kinds of things. And what I wish we could do, I understand that the push for breastfeeding is maybe a response to how like our mother's generation, Mm -hmm. the majority of them didn't breastfeed because formula had kind of like, I mean, relatively, it's a new invention, even for us. I mean, if you look in history, right? So formula was something that enabled them to be more free, to have careers, you know, like all that was kind of emerging. And so I think our generation of mothers then had this really strong push for breastfeeding because Maybe science was saying that breastfeeding is best, you know, breast is best, like, you know. And I think there is value in that. Encouraging breastfeeding is not a bad thing. I wish somehow we've got to get to the point, 
like as a culture that we really do believe that fed is best mm-hmm. and that there are so many different family situations, cultural situations, professional work situations, financial situations that this idea that we just get to do what feels good to us, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. might not be the best message, you know, that we're putting out there because not everyone has that luxury. And we all know, like I've joked before how you can have a birth plan, but haha, if it works out that way, you know, mm-hmm. like you can really want to breastfeed, but yeah. there's no shame in it going a different direction. Yeah. And it's okay to grieve whatever ideal, mm-hmm. you know, if that is lost at some point, yes, grieve it, but don't see your worth or your value as a mother as as lower or different um, because of that change, for sure. I think that the first step in us as a society being more comfortable with the whole fed is best is to hear each other, Yeah, to hear each other and to hear the various experiences that we have had as mothers feeding our children and to see that we are all just doing the best that we can. That's why I'm excited about this episode, not because I feel like we're going to duke it out over, you know, whether... A, <laughs> oh, if you're wanting a fight, you're disappointed. Yes, but that that we have the opportunity to share a lot of different women's experiences and thoughts and processes that they've gone through in feeding their own babies. We are going to let you listen in on our conversation with our friend Erin, and we are also going to let you listen in to some of our call-in moms that are just going to share their experiences with you. As a Black woman, did you feel like you were encouraged to nurse your babies? Because I've heard from um, several other Black moms that that is not something that they felt encouraged to do. Um, by, by necessarily the black, by the black we had community. A conversation about it was like a month, no, in January, wasn't it? Yeah. I was not encouraged to breastfeed, but I was not discouraged to breastfeed. Yeah. Nobody questioned what I did or pushed me to do one way or the other either. So I think that is uh, a detriment to the black community that nursing is not encouraged more for all of the benefits that it brings. But don't get me wrong, I am absolutely pro-formula. My children had a mixture of breast milk and formula from the jump. I had to strictly pump. Neither of my children could latch due to physical issues with my body. And so I pumped the entire time, which allowed them to have breast milk, but it also meant that I could feed them, my husband could feed them, anybody could feed them. But no, I was not pushed or discouraged to do either. That is so interesting. I mean, I never like knew it could be because I was a white woman, like but I was pressured to breastfeed and I did not I was never pregnant. <laughs> I was not lactating. Oh, and I didn't people, even put that together when you yeah. said that. <laughs> and people wanted me to take medication, like would I consider taking medication to try to lactate to produce milk? It is nowhere near that level of pressure in the black community. And nowhere I was like, near. no, I'm, I'm not actually. No, thank you. I'm, you know, I'm not going to do that to my body, actually. Like, that's not so, even real great. 
my experience was I was not pushed or discouraged, but I also don't think women are encouraged to. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I think it is yeah. just uh, automatic that babies are going to be fed formula in the black community. And that's why I think it's a detriment that more black women aren't encouraged or uh, supported or taught to breastfeed. I would guess that the reason is they fear they won't be looked at as sexually attractive to their partner if they choose to breastfeed. That's my suspicion, not my studied. That's what I was going to ask, why you thought that there's a difference. I suspect due to the slowly over time decreased number of eligible black male partners available in the U.S. due to the higher death rates, the higher incarceration rates, the higher drug abuse rates, the higher whatever rates. Less familiar support even, I mean, yeah, in an extended way, yeah. Right, that there's so far fewer eligible, desirable black men that when you have one, you're gonna do whatever it takes to keep them, and so maybe I won't nurse my baby because my partner may not find me as sexually attractive. Again, these are my suspicions. I don't know that that's true, but that's just kind of an unspoken of uh, unspoken cultural norm that you do whatever it takes to keep a good black man if you have one. At Fort Worth Moms, we've been having a lot of talks about um, how mothers are treated differently because of the color of their skin and how it's different from pregnancy to postpartum, right? And you know, like the maternal mortality rate is significantly higher for black women in the state of Texas than it is their counterparts. Um, But even some of these discussions that we were having um, about breastfeeding versus bottle feeding, uh, Hispanic members of our team were telling us the same thing. It's discouraged in the Hispanic community to breastfeed as well. But then, like most people, at least I think, maybe I'm wrong, most people have to work, right? I mean, like, people who get to stay home are the minority. Like, you know, that's the privilege. So if most people have to go work and you and I might be treated differently in the workplace and I have to take breaks to pump Mm -hmm. and you have to take breaks to pump, like, is it more of a hardship on you than it is me? I don't know. I'm just, like, like throwing it out there. Like, if you choose to breastfeed, you've got to kind of keep it up. And is your workplace hospitable to you pumping? Exactly, right. Even as, forget color, like women in general, is your workplace hospitable to to pumping and those kinds of things? Well, then if you add in other layers, yeah, the topic brings up a lot of inequalities still, yeah, and it's very layered and complex, both culturally, how you're received in a professional setting, what your own, even individual family traditions are and expectations are. And it sounds like your supervisor's ideas are also going to impact whether you can breastfeed or not and if you will be able to at work. Yeah, it does. Yeah. You start on this little tiny topic and think it'll just be cute and fun, and then it it unravels all of this. Well, and I think it goes into uh, our society's view of women's bodies, too. You know, you talk about culturally how um, maybe black women choose not to breastfeed or aren't encouraged to breastfeed. But then you also have the whole aspect of do you breastfeed in public? And if you do, do you cover? Do you uncover? Is it appropriate? Is it inappropriate? And there are people on all ends of of this ideal of a woman's body. 
Hi, my name is Anna and I nursed my first one for nine months, my second one for about four months because that's all it would work. And we did whatever was best for our family and we just fed them and loved them and they're all great kids. I think one of the best pieces of advice I got about breastfeeding was not to quit on a hard day. I thought of that constantly while I was learning to breastfeed my first child. It is hard. It is not exactly natural like they try to make it out to be. And there were a lot of times I really wanted to quit. But her, the lactation consultant told me not to quit on a hard day. And there was such wisdom in that because I had to really take myself out of the emotion of it, get through the bump, and then think to myself, do I really want to keep breastfeeding? And I did. So I pushed through. And after those first four or six weeks, it got so much easier. So if you are at the beginning of breastfeeding and you're struggling, it gets so much easier. And I think it gets easier with each child. So if you're committed, stay committed. You can do it. I had this image of being a breastfeeding mom and sharing that special time with my newborn son. But after a few days of trying, it wasn't clicking for either myself or my baby. But I didn't want to give up on that vision and goal of providing breast milk for him. I came across a few resources talking about exclusively pumping. This meant getting ahead of my son's feeding schedule to have milk ready for when he was hungry. This meant living my life in three-hour segments from one pump session to the next. As a full-time working mom, this also meant that everything was calculated, from meeting times to lunch breaks. I'm thankful to have had a space um, that was private and would lock where I could go and pump during the day. Outside of work hours, I would pump while commuting to and from work using a hands-free pumping bra and a scarf to cover up so fellow drivers didn't get more than they asked for though I still got a lot of strange looks at stoplights. Exclusively pumping also meant getting up in the middle of the night to pump while everyone else slept. Some of my home videos have the uh, humming sounds of the pump in the background while I played with my son. He even started to mimic the sounds of the pump because it was such a part of our life. One picture I appreciate now is with me with the breast pump on while wearing my sleeping baby and working on my laptop. This was my breastfeeding journey, and it was beautiful, and it was rough, but in the end, my son was a happy, healthy, and growing baby. And together, after 15 months of exclusively pumping, we donated over 100 ounces of breast milk to the milk bank to help other mamas and their baby. As always, visit fwmoms.com to see the notes from this show, including links to products and content mentioned in this episode. And one more time, just in case you missed it, fwmoms.com. Fort Worth Mom.